outbreak of COVID-19, reports have shown that all types of violence against women and girls has intensified into what we now refer to as the shadow pandemic. Since the COVID-19 pandemic began in this country, service providers reported at least two-thirds increase in clients. So how do you know what domestic violence looks like, especially in the changing landscape of COVID-19? And what has it been like to serve on the front line of the shadow pandemic? We're going to be talking to people who work in that area. And we're also going to be talking to someone who very bravely has shared her lived experience as a domestic violence survivor. Uh, We're going to be discussing how survivors can get support and how we can end gender-based violence and what can we do in practical ways to support survivors. We also took part in the walk against family violence on the 25th of November and that was um, around the North Richmond Public Housing Estate to mark the start of 16 days of activism against gender-based violence. And we'll hear from some of the participants and the speakers on the day. So let's get into it. Achud and I work at North Richmond Community Health as the Yarra Public Housing Mental Health Project Coordinator, which is part of the Healthy Communities team here at Yarra. So our role is to support residents of public housing, access mental health, reduce stigma and just, you know, um, advocating for their concerns and needs, you know, while that they live in the state. And we support residents in Fitzroy, Collingwood and North Richmond Community Health. Hi, I'm Beck. I am a counsellor and social worker at North Richmond Community Health. A part of my role is individual and group counselling for family violence. Um, We're a multilingual team, um, a mix of social workers and psychologists. And we work with low-income families on the estate and local surrounds who have social work and counselling needs. My name is Marianne and I am healthy and well-being team, mental health project in Yara State. And my focus will be in North Richmond Community. I work in North Richmond Community Centre. Hello, my name is Meron. I work in North Richmond with Haratim. And my uh, role is help and support officer. So we help uh, people with uh, COVID related um, issues and uh, safety for infection prevention. I am a family violence survivor. What was the prevalence and nature of the domestic violence experienced by women and children in the local community during the pandemic, particularly during the lockdowns? I um, I found that it did the family violence did increase and the types of violence was different to what we were used to seeing. Um, More stress of having all the family at home in often a quite confined space that wasn't particularly comfortable. Um, People had lost jobs and income issues and that increased stress. Um, And all of those things don't cause family violence, but it can certainly exacerbate it. What was um, the connection between the lockdown and the increase in violent behaviours? I think just, you know, people staying at home, like just being in each other's, you know, space all the time and just like not being able to know how to like uh, 
uh, solve the conflicts and then it's just, you know, we just like it just reaches to, you know, like a violent point where, you know, people are abusive towards each other, which is, you know, could be like, you know, words, you know, like hating, things like that. So I think, yeah, a lot of uh, ethnic families in general don't really, you know, talk about how, you know, difference and or conflict on how to manage that. Mm-hmm. So it's usually like, you know, just obedience, yes, and all these kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. they're not used to that constant, like it's mostly avoided conflict. So when people are out of the home, they're not really getting into much conflict with each other all the time. But when you're studying from home and working from home, you know, there's a lot of exchange of abusive words. Yeah, yeah. Mm. If I can just add to that while you were speaking, I was thinking that one of the risk factors is if a partner is employed, um, which usually means they're out of the home. For safety planning, it's much easier if the partner is employed and out of the home. So Mm. I think the lockdown has certainly added to that. The lack of space. The lack of space and the lack of... um, you're highly visible when yeah. when you're all in one house together. Yeah, the right. opportunity to leave and and mm. put implement safety plans is much harder, it's, yeah, and that's yeah. why the employment factor is a is a risk factor as well. Mm-hmm. In my culture, they really obey a lot of the husband and respect him and think his man on. Like mm-hmm. financially, he's the owner. And like, you know, woman and kid is like, you know, he's the, like the boss around the house. He's the leader. Some are really, you know, in good way, but rather than they try to control offer in bad way. Mm. And women keep it home, not allowing to go out. Yeah, I was also just going to add like, you know, about the cultural, you know, aspect. It's just that sometimes like when families, you know, move from like overseas and then, you know, they come into Australia and like going to these Western countries like there's this huge fear that, you know, they don't want to lose their culture. They don't want to lose their tradition. So sometimes it almost turns into like kind of a dictatorship. Yep. <laughs> kind of like, oh, you can't, you know, I don't want you to be like, uh, these, you know, like Western people or all these kind of stuff. So, mm. but I don't know. I think this, you know, it becomes a blurry line, like, you know, like, because violence is not a part of anyone's culture. No. But, you know, there's just, you know, like, you know, the patriarchy there, like in their countries, it's a lot more, you know, just like enforced and there's Mm. there's just not a lot of women's rights Mm. where here there's actually laws in place and that's, for them, that's like kind of they feel threatened by that. Yep. Mm. Taking power from them, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I just wanted to follow up by saying I agree. No culture promotes violence, but certain cultures have barriers to accessing support and resources. You know, they might be fearing contacting police or trusting a court system, Mm. fearing your children being taken away. No, uh, limited accesses to health and financial supports, and that's really what I've noticed is the difference is mm. people not feeling safe or knowing what's yeah. out there yeah. versus yeah. It, it's not embedded in any one culture. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the resources and barriers is what I've noticed is the difference. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, it's like in the Aussie culture, like, you know, still women are dying every week. Mm. Every and week, yeah. so many like, you know, like walks that are done, like, you know, in like a kind of in memory of women who have been killed either by like you know a partner or mm. you know by a stranger or stalker something like that mm. however it's just we don't see like you know 
ethnic women's, you know, just put out there because I think it's, you know, they don't really report or like it's kind yeah. of hidden in the community. Mm. But it happens to, to all cultures. It's mm, just, mm. you know, in Western, you know, in Western societies, it's actually publicized, you know, mm. like this abuse and violence, yeah. you know, while in other cultures, it's kind of hidden, you know, oh, yeah. And I guess sometimes there's also like the fear, I guess, so far, because I think like us, for me, person like as a South Sudanese woman we've been like on TV for so many wrong reasons mm. and I think we don't want people to turn it into like you know a racist thing so yeah. like yeah. you know it's mm. more of a violent you know issue. Many survivors they feel discouraged to report gender-based violence in general um, so why is this and how can we make reporting gender-based violence a victim-centered experience especially in our um, culturally and linguistically diverse community? People who have poor experiences um, or lack of knowledge about how, what will happen if they call the police mm. can be a real barrier. Mm. Um, mm. Hearing that the court system won't protect them, that fearing that they won't be believed, fear of losing their children. Um, and, you know, that's, that's not um, for one particular culture but across the board in my experience. Um, but then, you know... Ways of managing that could be, you know, I know they've started to introduce having social workers with police, mm. um, you know, cultural liaisons, ensuring there's interpreters yeah. for cultural safety. Some people don't want to report to their own culture and that's also a barrier. If they yeah. had an interpreter, they don't feel safe because they, the yeah. fear of talking to communities. So it yeah. is really complex, but there are things that we can do mm. to improve. We need to improve. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, the process of, like, just, you know, not knowing how long this is going to take, mm -hmm. you know, for people, it could be, like, an issue. So they think if it's just going to drag on, it could be a trigger for them as well, for it to keep dragging on. So they just think, oh, let it go. And some people are, like, from faith background as well, who just say, like, oh, you know, like, God or Allah would take care of it, you know, and I'll just, you know like go on with my life and not report or something like that? Because um, I was thinking, you know, the um, child protection would take my son away from me. Mm -hmm. So I was scared to report and it was painful. <laughs> but I spoke to police, you know. I, I love my son, but this keep happened to me, you know. What shall I do, you know? They said, it's okay, they won't take your son away, you know. And... Happened twice, not just one time. It was painful, you know. And that police here ensured me that they won't take my son away, you know. So we just helpful to speak to a professional, you know. Sorry. No, don't apologize. Oh, yeah, it's a very, you know, yeah. touching issue because it's the same as well in a lot of, you know, communities. Because, like, as well, from my background, like, you know, South Sudanese culture and I'm you know thinking a lot of also other African culture like you know traditionally like you know the man like you know follow like the tribe or the culture of the you know the father so like you know the husband's family say these are our kids if you like you know report or something like this you know we will take the kids away because these kids you know belong mm. to us yeah. yeah so a lot of people fear that yeah, they might lose their kids because they're being the troublemaker. Mm. Yeah. And did you get the support you need? Yeah, I had a social worker. Mm -hmm. And I actually, one of 
the ones happened to me and the first one I actually seek a counselor in North Richmond mm. and I saw Beck mm-hmm. yeah I saw Beck and uh, yeah she helped me a lot especially with court process and family violence so she helped me she drew you know picture on the wall and stuff it helps me a lot mm-hmm. and then and then that two years ago happened to me different men so in that also I know the police helped me a lot mm-hmm. you know because like I didn't know where mm-hmm. to get social worker yeah but I spoke to them and I was so hurt and scared mm-hmm. I couldn't even stay for a long time mm-hmm. so I spoke to the police mm-hmm. and they helped me a lot so and mm-hmm. also I went to court for intervention order uh, and I there was a social worker so she spoke to me and you know give me encourage me you mm. know so i i i i got help a lot but still hurt me to mm. this day yeah because yeah. uh, there was physical abuse and also uh, verbal abuse mm. you know and mm. i was thinking i'm not good enough for any man you know mm. i'm not good mom to my son i was mm. thinking like that mm. so but yeah it hurt but at least I'm not involving, you know, after that trigger left my life, you know, mm-hmm. and now my son's safe, I'm safe, mm-hmm. you know, which is good. And thank you for, you know, I thank social workers. Um, when I listen to Marion speak, there's, uh, a, there's, a, there's an empowering narrative, there's mm-hmm. victim-survivor. So when you follow someone along that path where you're a victim, then you're a victim survivor, and then you're um, actively um, living the life that you want to live, mm. even though someone tried to take it away from you. Mm. Whether consciously or not, that's what was happening. Mm. And so uh, how, how do you help guide them through that path? Um, the image, I guess, that comes to mind is I never walk behind them, I never walk in front of them, I walk alongside them at mm. their pace, at their time. Mm-hmm. I can't rush their journey mm. because they have been living in unsafety yeah. and they know how to stay safer than I know. Mm. My job is to support them to do what they need to do when they're ready. Yeah. Um, for a lot of reasons, it's actually safer for a woman to stay because mm. the highest risk of murder is once you leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I tell a woman you have to go, mm. I could be putting her in more risk. Yeah. It's individual and it's, taking an individual approach and mm. meeting the person where they're at, wherever that is, and knowing that they're the expert. Yeah, it's I so have true. system awareness. I have mm. training in the area, mm. but I don't know their partner. Yeah, I don't know their history. Mm. Yeah. Um, I trust them and it's the most effective and respectful way. Mm. And feminist, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yes. It's, you know, it's really important, you know, to like, you know, just... Uh, meet women where they are and like you know and if they want to make that decision to leave when they're ready it's all right because a lot of the times sometimes mm-hmm. women or tell friends or especially like most of the time I know women tell friends and then they're just pressuring them like why can't you leave why can't you leave why can't you leave yeah. and then they and stop talking to you yeah, about it and you shut them down <laughs> yeah and because you know they feel like oh I'm a failure because I, I can't leave or I haven't left or I have tried to yep. left like I have tried to leave, you know, one or two times and I failed. So 
you know, I don't know. I think it's just important not to pressure women, tell them leave, 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 leave. Like, you know, it yeah. makes them feel like worse, you know. Because it's so hard to leave. And I've read like a few years ago, it takes seven attempts. Seven, absolutely. Seven attempts The average to leave. is seven. And every time a woman leaves, she learns something new. Yeah. Even if she has to return home, mm. she learns something new that makes it safer for her to go next time. And I tell every woman I meet that. Sorry. In addition to that, I think, you know, the abusive person always try to change the routine. Yes. When he thinks you really to move this situation out, and seeking for help, he changes his way. He escalates. And he tr- mm. Yeah, he trying, you know, to be nice few mm. time, few times a week, is, you know. Then he repeat the, you know, again. Yeah, the so cycle. they know how to, you know, you control the situation. Mm. Even if they know this woman trying to get help, he try, I'm going to be a good husband for you. Mm. Please yeah. forgive me, sake of the kiddies. Yeah, we have these kiddies, you know. <laughs> If you leave, you know, you're not able to get a man in your life because you have five kids, you have seven kids who are going to marry you, you know. And women like, you know, in most in cultural, like where I come from, the age of like 30 or 32, she have seven or eight kids. Hmm. So she's a young lady. And again, if she leave this situation, an abusive situation, she, he's just trying to, you know, control, no one marry you again if you leave me. So, and you kids will be out father. Especially you have boys, they become teenagers. You cannot control. So just keep me because of you kids. Let me abuse you more. So, you know, there is a lot of bad, you know, histories that you're trying, you know, to control of a woman. Because they think like, you know, I'm a man, I'm an, I know how to deal. Well, women doing everything. If you look around, women ke- got taken to the school, they taken back home. Where is the father of these kids? If you see in the school, go to school, women only picking up the kids. They taken back. They are shopping centers. They doing everything. Where is the fathers? There is no fathers involved in their life. Women are every, everywhere and they crying more and it causing mental illness because they put pressure more physically and mentally and they exhausted and tired. We need man to be in fulfilled, you know, family life and you know take the responsibility the kids because only mother it's not they have mother and father. So father take the responsibility because you see everywhere woman having kids more. So we need women to men involved in this situation so they can, you know, reduce, you know, the violence, the mental illness, the physical tiredness. When I say leave the situation, sometimes it depends. If you have the power to live and confidence and chance, mm. it's better to avoid that situation so you get help. Mm. And if you can't, and then, you know, slowly, like, uh, uh, assess your situation and try to get help, you know. But for me, the first one, I actually ran out of the house. I took my son, I ran out of the house because if I pick the phone to call police, it will make it worse, you know. And that's the time the person hit me, you know. Mm -hmm. So I leave the phone, I pretend I'm not going anywhere, but I took my son because he was baby. I took my son with me, oh, I need to go throw the rubbish, I'll come back, you know. Mm -hmm. 
And then I took my son, ran downstairs, called security. I told the security to call police, but I stayed downstairs, you know. And then the person actually left. Mm. With the second one, I had to actually tell the person to leave the house. If not, I'll call police, you know. Mm. But that person resists to leave, you know. But it was so hard. And then I told the person, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to call police. It's not okay. Mm. And then, like, my friend was around, but still straight me to hit me. Mm. But my son was sleeping. So I can't run away, even though my friend there. But mm. I, I, can't, I can't wake my son. So mm. I, what I did was I told the person to leave, and my friend didn't help me. Like, But I know that per- someone is there. He's not going to physically do it. Mm. So he started to, you know, speaking to me my language. That person don't understand what he's saying. So, But I told him, if you're not, I'm really calling. I took the phone. I'm calling. That person actually left. Mm. Uh, so it's good in that way to leave. It depends on your situation. And... I sa- I lived in safe house before I had my son, not mm. because of family violence, but something else. I live safe house, and I met the girls. I live with the girls who experience family violence and homelessness, and some 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 women they grow up in foster care. Mm. So I met them. I spoke to them, and and one of the girls actually abused by husband. You know, she was married, um, family arranged marriage, and uh, she was Indian. And when, when she told me about her experience and even she was like 20, she had gray hair, you know, because of stress and, mm. uh, and stuff. And when, when we walk together, she see white car, she used to get scared. Mm. Oh, it's him, he's him, he come, you know. That mm. much she was so abused by, by him, you know. Mm. So I tell her, it's good you come to this place, you know. And we all, Garcia, you can talk to us anytime, you know. Mm. We all experience, we all face this, you know. And mm. I tell her, you can talk to a social worker. And there was social worker actually staying overnight with mm. us, you know. Mm. So I tell her, you can talk to them. They're not going to, you know, ex- uh, share your information with other mm. people, you know. You are safe here, you can speak to them. But she used to trust me and tell me about her situation, you know. And I tell her, it's good you get help, it's good and... You know, this man not going to be around. Don't worry. If you see white car, not all men have white car, you know, or not, not him. He will even have 100 cars, you know. <laughs> so I tell her, it's okay, yeah. it's okay. So, she, yeah, we, we be, I build trust with her. So wherever we go shop, she go with me, you know. Women partnering with women is what I just heard you say. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is such a powerful yeah. thing to do. And oh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, also, like, wow, it's very important that women, like, supporting women, like, we need men in this, you know, like, situation. situation. We need yeah. men as allies, like, Absolutely. like yeah. as champions in the community. So, like, yeah. if you have a trusted man to, like, you know, I guess to call and then they can come in that situation, like, man to man, like, it can be, I don't know, it can be really powerful, you know, like, I've, I guess because, you know, like, the you know, the partner, which is, you know, because violence, you know, it's often like, you know, uh, done by men. And it's just, you know, they they would fear the man more, I guess. I don't know. But that's just what I, I think. I, like, saw, who, I saw on the ad- advertisement on TV, uh, this man, he met his friend. He was like, he catch up with his friend. And then he was talking about his woman, how he treat her. And then the other man, they were listening, you know, what he's saying. 
And then he was laughing and stuff. And then they told him, it's not okay to abuse your woman. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It was a powerful message. I saw it on yeah. TV. That mm-hmm. Calling out the male violence. Yeah. And women can do it. Um, men can do it. Yeah. Um, it. It's just such an important thing. We can't. We need to be active bystanders. Yeah, we need to be. We need, like, men bystanders to call out violence, you know, in a lot of communities. I guess it's especially in this estate, we need you know, male figures who are completely against it, you know. But I think as a mother, when we have boys, we need to teach our kids, you know, respect the girl. You know, for example, I may have two boys, and always I say women are powerful, and he say, no, mama, the men are powerful. <laughs> and, you know, we need to encourage we are have a power, and we have a right. We have to respect each other, one another. And he said, there is no police officer in woman. And I said, there is. And I show him really there is a police officer in the... He was like four. And I said, look, this woman, they are police. And he said, no, they can be a woman. And say, look at them. And they mm-hmm. take it off the heart. They come and talk to him. Yeah. And, say, yeah. and he believed her. Now he's a woman, he's okay. Yeah. But, you know, we need to teach like boys. They say, girls are weaker than us. They're not powerful. So we need to teach boys, you know, respect to women. Yeah. It's that learnt behaviour and what they witness at home that informs those early messagings in their formative years. And there are beginning to be programs in schools because they've identified early intervention is the best way. But from from the minute they – and even the non-verbals that they – even if dad doesn't say anything and gives a look to mum, the child can still pick that up. So the messaging, you know – it's just so key. And that is what's going to create structural change. Mm. We you need know, structural change. Yeah. My son, he told me, Mom, do you like men? I said, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was shocked. I said, why you ask me like that question? He said, because man make you unhappy, he told oh. me. Make you angry, you know. Mm. I told him, not really, you know. Why you say that? I don't know. I don't see you with the men, you know, much. But it don't sound like you're okay with the money, though. <laughs> I said to him, no, all months are not the same, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told him, so there are months, you know, uh, caring and loving, you know. They like to be with the you know, family and, you know. But not all months are the same. And I, I want you, when you grow up, to respect women, you know. To respect me first, I'm your mother, you know. And then he, in the future, I told him to respect your friend. If she's a girl, to respect her, you know. He said, yeah, you know, I, I play with the girl and boy, you know. And I, I, say, I treat them the same way. And he believe, you know, he believe in God. He tells me that we're all God's children. It's the first day of 16 days of activism against gender-based violence here at North Richmond Community Health Centre. And we're going to start the day with some speeches by Brendan, the Executive Manager of Community Services and Consumer Empowerment, Nazik Nasser, uh, Program Manager, Counselling and Casework, and Aurora Delcourt, the Program Manager at Multicultural Centre for Women's Health. In Australia, so not just Victoria, on average, 
one woman is murdered by a current or former partner each week, and one in two women has experienced sexual harassment. They're very confronting statistics. Working with victim survivors of men uh, of men's violence, have witnessed acts of resistance against men violence and the strength and resilience of women each day. Today we walk to honour the, per the perseverance and the courage against acts of violence. We don't excuse perpetrators. Dare to speak up to um, promote gender equality. Dare to speak up to challenge uh, gender and, uh, sorry, rigid gender construction and stereotype. Okay, here we are on the walking route. I met two really cool people and we had a chat about being an activist against gender-based violence. Hello, what's your name? Um, Anyak. Um, well, I, I, what I normally say to a lot of people who may not want to see this as, as an important thing to do, raising awareness, is that we all come from a mother, we all have sister, we all have daughters at some point in life, so any violence against a woman is a violence against our own family members as well. Very well said. Um, and can I interview you as well? Hello, what's your name? Yum. Yum Maker. So given that I'm from a culture that's so um, governed by like male authority um, and then coming to Australia, like, you know, a country of freedoms and rights and hearing all the mothers like talk about all the issues that they have, um, I think they need a voice and they need a space. Those aren't things that we discuss. I think it's upon us, the young people who are educated, to be the voice for the mothers and, I guess, um, stop the family violence that's happening within our community. Back in the studio for the second part of our interview, I have a couple more questions for the panel. Um, what are some practical things for the everyday person when they encounter everyday gendered violence, even if it's comparatively less violent, like street harassment, compared to hearing your friend talk about mm. um, being violent towards their partner. If you're, say, a, a, an everyday guy and you see this, what is some good advice for him? Call it out. <laughs> Call it out. If we stand by, we're being complicit. Yeah. Um, if you're a woman and it's not safe, make your assessment, but otherwise, call it out. Don't put yourself at risk. But, you know, if there's a position to call it out and say that's not okay, um, yeah. we're, we're complicit with silence. True. And when I say that, I, I mean men. Mm. But for a woman as well, if, if there's an opportunity to stand up and say that's not okay. True. I've had to do it in a shopping centre. Mm. <laughs> and everyone, like I was going up the lift and I could hear something mm. and I looked around, no one acted. It was mm. a very unsafe situation. The person I was was with, followed the male, I followed the woman, mm. and even no one called security. Oh, wow. I'm like, they could have just sat there and made one phone call. Nothing happened. Yeah. Um, so act, call it out, do what's safe, but call it yeah. out. I was yeah. just going to share like a, just a personal incident that happened to me, which till, till this day I find it very powerful and significant. Like I was at uni, I was like, you know, 23 years old, something like that. And, you know, also on my way, like, you know, home, like, yes, I usually take the bus in the evening. And, you know, there was like another guy, like, you know, similar, like from my community, like completely drunk, you know, came, you know, was like harassing me, like, you know, 
I told him not to sit next to me specifically, but he did. And then he was like just talking in my language. And I just felt really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And the bus is moving. So I felt like I couldn't go anywhere. And like, you know, I was, it was just so uncomfortable. And it's just amazing. Like out of nowhere, like this amazing young Asian lady, like she came from the back of the bus <laughs> and like just you know, grab my hand yep. and like say, Love come her. with me. You leave her alone. She was like, if you bother her again, I'll call the police. And then, you know, she just took me and I like, you know, basically like let me sit in the inside, like in the inside. And she was sitting outside like until I got home. And she was like, if you want me to walk you all the way home, I will. Yeah. yeah, and she was encouraging me to report. And to be honest, like at that situation, I said it's a small thing. Mm. I don't want to report. And I was like, it's just going to drag on. And I did promise her, like, if it keeps happening, I'll report. But I'll just, it's a, you know, one incident, which in reality, it wasn't a one incident. To I can be see honest. on your face, it's, it's, it's it not was, one thing. I can it was, it. and I used to see him all the time at the bus stop. And it was just, you know, really... You know, yeah. So till this day, I remember her, and I like, I really did, you know, thank her. And it was so powerful, you know. I hope she's listening today. Yeah, hopefully, like if she's listening, forgot her name, but doesn't matter. It's just you know, it was just amazing. In you know, in this in this area, uh, women are disadvantaged. You know, I met women that like you know. It's they pressurize, you know, like because of culture and language barrier and stuff. So um, I wanna like create group for women that you know to to you know if they are facing something, there is help, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, and I have spoke to a lot of women. What happened to me? And they're like, wow, it's good, and it's good you escape that situation before bad thing happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And and some of them they share, you know, I'm having with my husband at the moment. This is abusing me, but I love him so much. I don't want to leave him, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not love. If he mm-hmm. loves you, he doesn't treat you like that, you know. Mm-hmm. That's not love. Before this kept uh, like become higher, you have to, yeah. you know, do this. She's yeah. still not taking the action, yeah. but I'm patient with her. I'm not telling her, come on, and I'm not pushing her to do it, yeah. you know. But I tell her. Okay, talk to me anytime. I'm here yeah. for you. You know, it's 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 good to have somebody say I'm here for you. You That's know, it's the best you can, thing you can yeah. do. Yeah. You feel like you are, you, you know, you, you you don't struggle when it comes to the point that you know you are in you know danger. You got you got you know where to go. You got yeah. um, someone say I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, it will be great. You know, I guess if there's like support groups for women like who have gone like through like abuse in their relationships they run through women's health in the north each community health in the region runs one i run one here but unfortunately due to covid it hasn't been running but um i know darabin um i know all the ones in the in the northeast are are running some are online some are face to face Mm. um the power of group that i know is that like other women talking to other women who have experienced the same thing Mm. um i've been running those groups for years and the change that happens Mm. It's so powerful compared to what I can do one-on-one in a room. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, both are important for different reasons, but yeah. the power of groups is amazing and women coming together, sharing experience and not yeah. feeling isolated and, and ashamed because they've got one voice from him, but in yeah. a group they've got a voice of women saying the opposite. Yeah. Like, and I'm thinking to bus message, women encourage and empower 
one another, not to bully one another. The problem is we are women. If we share, we have this weakness or problem, we don't support a lot. We just, you know, take advantage for the person suffering for the issue instead of helping. We take advantage from them. Like, you know, they have like some weakness or physically or mentally weakness, mm. sickness. We not help a lot. We we like, you know, to it's control. Kind of like used against yeah. You. Still, you know, we need to help each other, especially when it comes it's woman not in safe situation. And if you feel that this woman is not safe, just report it. Even if she's not willing to report, just report to the right people. And say, I know this woman, she's in danger. Perhaps there are people out there going through a rough time at the moment. What message do you want to give them? Speak to someone is always the first thing that you can do. Um, And there's a number of ways of doing that. So there's 1-800-RESPECT, which is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's SAFE STEPS, which is 1-800-015-188. That is a 24-hour response service and can refer to emergency accommodation. The Sexual Assault Crisis Line is 1800 806 292. They are also 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There is Men's Referral Service for men wanting to access support about issues with their relationships. That is 1300 766 491. I'd also like to include Children's Helpline which is 1-800-551-800. We have the Elder Abuse Line, which is 1-800-353-374. And our Counselling Casework team, finally, at North Richmond. Um, For reception, call 9418-9800. Other options are to speak to your GP or any other trusted family member or community member and... Um, get pointed in the right direction. I'm conscious I don't have InTouch's number. Um, can anyone Google that? There's also Switchboard for LGBT Violence or Thorn Harbour Health um, because the LGBT plus community also experience family violence. It's not as commonly known, but it is equally prevalent. I also work with that community at North Richmond Community Health um, and have many clients in my caseload who identify that way with family violence. Yes, the InTouch number is one 800 755-988, you know, to speak to someone for an intake worker. Yeah, yeah and I also just want to add, like, also for our team, like the mental health project team, you know, uh, you can usually, you know, call me at uh, 0459-963-517. And if they come to reception and they ask for the mental health, you know, project team like all oh, the health and well-being concierges will usually be available you know to come down and talk to someone as a first step mm-hmm. yeah we'll be also doing you know our team will be doing outreach in the community around the states like Collingwood, Fitzroy and Richmond so they'll you know they'll see us around we'll be introducing ourselves. In addition to that we are different background and we speak different language so if you know it's good way to come with us if you're not able to communicate and we have flyers each language so 
they will the numbers use telling us now we put it in as a Somali or Chinese, Vietnamese, any language we put it. I also just want to promote that North Richmond has Fitzroy Legal Service that offers free legal advice to women mm. at North Richmond on a fortnightly basis. We have some amazing lawyers that have been working with us a long time. So I just mm. want to promote that as well. So not only do we provide information mm. and support and counselling, but we have access to lawyers we can refer you to as well. As uh, someone who is has lived experience and is um, a victim survivor, what kind of um, advice would you give to someone who's having a rough time? Someone who was in who is in your position that you were in, what would you tell them? There is help, mm-hmm. and don't give up, mm-hmm. and be strong, mm-hmm. and. Um, we're here for you. A big thank you to our guests today, Achut, Mental Health Coordinator, Mariam, Health and Wellbeing Concierge, Rebecca, Counselling Caseworker, and Marin. Of course, Marin is her bravery today was um, very much appreciated and admired by each of us in the room, and I'm sure by the audience um, who are listening today. It's clear that she has uh, found a clear path in helping other people and um, I hope that she's very proud of herself. I also want to point out that Uniting Care has escaping violence packages up to $5,000. The payments will help address the financial barriers that may stop women from leaving violent relationships. If you are at risk or if you know someone who is in in immediate danger, call 000 or call Lifeline on 13 11 14. They can help you put you in contact with a crisis service in your state 24 hours, 7 days a week. Or call Achute at NRCH. Achute's number is 0459-963-517. Once again, it was great to have you with us today. Um, Tune in next time. We'll see you then.